On an average day, this company has traffic that pits it easily amongst the very top of Indian sites in terms of visitors. On an exceptional day, like when they have some massive sales, their traffic shoots up through the roof, drawing on scale, availability and reliability that must equal or surpass world-class standards. But why do they have an on-prem server? This is Tech Unbound, Business Insider India's podcast series that delves into that curious space that binds technology, people and the culture that bridges it all. My name is Ashwin Raghunath and joining me today is Jayendran Venugopal, the Chief Product and Tech Officer at Flipkart. Jayendran, or Jay as he is known to everyone, has worked on engineering some of the most iconic of internet businesses. From being the VP of Engineering at Yahoo, to advising Snapdeal, to leading Mintra's product and tech, and now he's at the helm of Flipkart's product and tech innovation. Jay, welcome aboard to Business Insider India's Tech Unbound. Thank you. Jay, from the start of lockdown and easing out, run me through the kind of stresses that Flipkart, which is essentially a digital company, experienced through March onwards. The way we have always looked at our uh, tech infrastructure uh, is to build enough uh, redundancies, business continuity plans, etc. Not just in terms of disaster recovery and data retention, but also in terms of uh, ways of working. So we were able to quickly scale up our infrastructure uh, and allow people to continue to uh, perform whatever they needed to do to sustain the business remotely. Of course, we had to actually be nimble on our feet and innovate, right? So, I mean, as we all know, like every crisis is also an opportunity, especially in this era where technology is one of the biggest levers that you have, right? So, uh, when when the national lockdown was announced, uh, so we actually uh, did several things. First of all, from from an employee perspective, there were uh, uh, issues that we need to sort out, right, around how people would connect and work and uh, scale up our infrastructure, beat our VPN infrastructure, etc. Also, there were uh, unavoidable situations where we had to allow people uh, to do their BOIOD, like bring your own devices uh, to allow them to connect to the network, which we would never do in normal situations, right? But we could not actually arrange for replacement for parts and other things to be sent to every corner of the country because people had gone to their native places and, and so on, right? So so we came up with solutions like virtual uh, machines on the cloud, uh, virtual desktop infrastructure for people who needed the desktop interface, like uh, uh, folks like our CX support agents to be able to uh, uh, work in still a very sandboxed environment uh, so they can continue performing their actions and their regular tasks, even while they're not in the fully connected and fully governed and controlled uh, office environment. So we did uh, some of those innovations. And the fact that, for example, our primary data center is in Chennai, right? So we had to make sure that uh, while people, I mean, it was not possible for people to freely move around and react to situations if uh, somebody needed to go into the into the data center to do something, uh, right? Uh, it would have been a bit of a problem, right? We could not have uh, reacted with the same level of agility as usual. Uh, but the, the fact that we had built our stack using all those resiliency uh, um, uh, measures and uh, had ability to do auto failovers when uh, when machines failed and uh, being, a, being a cloud native company, I mean, it's our private cloud. But uh, all the software is written so that it is built in with the fundamental principles of resilience, failover and all of that. So that helped us guide through that situation uh, so that even when failures happened, it did not mean that our services were down, but uh, systems were able to reconfigure themselves and uh, automatically failover as required to continue uh, supporting user-facing uh, or back-end-facing functionalities as, as needed. So these are some of the things that uh, I can talk about. So there are also other uh, interesting things that we did, right? So we realized that 
that we could not scale up our own lost mile infrastructure uh, because of the severe lockdown right availability of people was an issue but at the same time we saw that uh, the whole gig economy uh, was in a standstill uber or meru cabs and these uh, were not running right so we quickly partnered with both of them uber and meru to deliver uh, our uh, uh, their fleet to be our last mile delivery fleet to expand the availability of last mile capacity so this was done very very quickly similarly we wanted to launch our grocery uh, uh, vertical in a lightweight manner across other cities where we did not have a, a primary grocery presence right so we are primary grocery vertical presence uh, only in five cities uh, right and uh, we, so so then we decided that we will partner with uh, ecosystem folks we partnered with vishal mega mart spencers and others so that we we can quickly bring their selection to our consumers uh, using a regular flipkart uh, marketplace construct Uh, rather than our specialized grocery vertical construct right so these are all possible because our software systems were were agile are uh, and and also of course frankly are we have a very good set of problem solvers who are able to quickly think on their feet and and be able to innovate new ways of serving our customers two quick things here so you're saying virtualization was one of the more notable changes in flipkart and also the byod challenges are really i think of the past right with mdm now mobile device management tech having matured fairly well over the last Six to eight years. Uh, yeah. See, I think a uh, couple of things. Right. One is on the virtualization front. Uh, so it is not that uh, we we adopted uh, uh, virtualization as a concept only during lockdown, and uh, but we pushed that even further than how we had deployed it. For example, the the fact that our entire CX, uh, which is a customer support agent infrastructure, had to scale to allow for lots and lots of remote agents to connect remotely and work. while at the same time not allowing their own devices to directly come into the network right so we we had to quickly put together sandboxed vdis virtual desktop infrastructures for them to be able to connect and do that right so so we just were uh, able to use the the existing constructs but scale it up in a very elastic way to be able to solve for these new use cases uh, very very in a, in a very nimble way and uh, yes i mean see for example uh, using uh, mdm to be able to contain business applications and business data within a device uh is something specifically at least on mobile devices uh, uh, has been deployed uh, quite widely uh, over the last several years still for very very sensitive uh, systems where like say for example developers connecting directly into a production system right through using ssh tunnel etc so there are some levels of uh, flexibility they need in what sort of tools they use they may use like a mysql workbench to be able to run queries on a, on it or run some ad hoc queries on the shell directly to be able to debug or tail logs or those kind of things right so we needed to be able to allow for these kind of things but still provide our own solutions using uh, uh, very quick web shells and other things that we put up to be able to contain the threat while at the same time enabling a large portion of the business functionality to continue to function uh, right so normally for with mdm on mobile devices you can contain your gmail uh, your corporate gmail application and a bunch of other corporate apps sitting on your mobile devices for example uh, effectively right and on on your desktop assets you will typically put things like dlp like uh, data leakage prevention or uh, cloud access security brokers Uh, to be able to control the level of data that uh, could potentially get exfiltrated and all of that stuff but when you when it comes to for example workforce that deeply engages with the technology systems and uses a variety of tools uh, it is not possible to do all of this through the current mdm technology suites do not allow this that level of fine grained granularity 
uh, either it will be two extremes right so so that so so we had to do some innovations to be able to uh, create solutions that work for us Jay, talking about onboarding people, the big story recently was about Kirana stores and mom and pop stores being onboarded by Flipkart. Sanjita Dash from the Business Insider editorial team is with us. Hi, Jay. Quick question. Like you know, Flipkart at Flipkart, you're expanding your outreach to Kirana stores across India. Now, to be able to accomplish this, what kind of re-engineering is required to cater to people who are possibly getting digitized for the first time? And at the back end, what kind of complexity are you dealing with? I think with uh, Kiranas, I think uh, there are uh, f- quite a few things that we do uh, with Kiranas, right? So one of the primary things is that uh, we use Kiranas as our flex workforce for doing last mile delivery, uh, right? So uh, so uh, so typically we have very very seasonal demand, right? Uh, because as we get into festive season, which is coming up now, for example, and with our annual big billion day sale event and so on. there is a high level of uh, flex capacity we need uh, that we won't need afterwards right so it's a very key part of our strategy to be able to deeply work with kiranas uh, and kiranas also know their local neighborhood they know in fact the people and the communities and all of that stuff right so uh, and and they also have a fluctuating kind of demand model within for their in store workforce right so uh, for many of the kiranas it is an additional source of income if we are able to actually use them as a last mile delivery partner and uh, we actually drop uh, entire load for an area which is typically around like a like couple of kilometers around their location uh, and and we have built systems to interface with them do accounting of what we have handed off what we are picking back uh, do cash collections and uh, other things right so the entire infrastructure uh, is built by us uh, to be able to do this so that we can enroll and expand our last mile capacity uh, and be able to flexibly expand and contract it as required so that is something that we are, we are doing on an ongoing basis and of course with the recent uh, flipkart wholesale uh, announcement you would have seen that uh, we are also starting to work with uh, uh, retailers like we are starting with uh, fashion and lifestyle retailers but kiranas are going to fo- follow very very quickly where we are actually going to uh, create very very efficient uh, uh, ways of uh, getting the selection they need uh, to them uh, through a completely digital discovery and uh, order placement and tracking process right so flipkart is a digital first company so we want to make sure that even the b2b business line and the whole wholesale retailer distributor distributor that value chain also we try to uh, make it more efficient and we are starting to work with kiranas to understand uh, how we can partner with them and how we can uh, do this for them as well on the other end of the thing so one is on the delivery end and scaling up our last mile capacity the other end of it is uh, our b2b launch which we have recently done uh, where uh, we are going to look at kiranas uh, being our customers for that product line and our business on that business vertical and uh, eventually of course we will look at uh, is there a way that we can integrate the kirana inventory and make it available on our platform as well over a period of time as we enroll more and more kiranas to to into this model thanks anjita jay uh, you said you had a data center in chennai and your demand has several peaks right like for instance the big billion day sale where you need to scale horizontally and accommodate that huge surge where's the wisdom here in going on prem as opposed to a saas enabled cloud structure Yeah, that's a good question. So, see, uh, I think in terms of uh, availability of hyperscale data centers uh, with the kind of uh, infrastructure we needed, uh, right? So, we we have several tens of uh, megawatts of capacity, install capacity across our primary and uh, secondary data center, right? And, and of course, we needed this a few years back, right? And uh, many of the hyperscalers and their uh, uh, colo presence and regional presence in the country started happening around the same time or a bit later, in fact, right? So, we had to actually 
the provision capacity to support our grow the growing needs of the business which were growing at a breakneck pace right and uh, we of course needed extremely modern uh, instance types and so on and then india as a saas market for the cloud providers is picking up now but uh, perhaps was not as as evolved maybe 5 years uh, earlier right so we started on this path and and of course we were able to get lot of efficiencies by custom designing our data centers we have our own rack design in the data centers we in fact work with odms to actually create extremely power efficient uh, designs for uh, not just uh, the servers that we procure uh, but also in terms of the overall uh, data center infrastructure itself right so have built the right level of redundancy and all of that and uh, given we have enough level of uh, sustained load even in a business as usual day not just a peak day when you have that level of high scale already if you try to go 100% on the cloud uh, you're not able to get the same level of cost efficiencies as you are able to do if you are able to keep a large chunk of that uh, load on your own data centers uh, where you are able to amortize the, like for example we amortize our hardware uh, costs uh, uh, i mean on, on the books maybe 3 years or whatever it is right but uh, we are able to eke out and we do a lot of salvaging parts replacement and eke out the lifetime of it uh, so that our tco is very very low on our infrastructure and because we do custom design for our workloads and and uh, the needs of our systems that actually gives us efficiencies that we are not able to get when we deploy to uh, generic cloud instances right so we are able to custom design and get some efficiencies and we we have really good uh, power utilization efficiencies in our data centers right so that said yes now that we are at a, at a certain scale and uh, our peak to average is is still large enough that we need to optimize it we are looking at those options of uh, Uh, doing bursting to the cloud but uh, based on extensive analysis we have done we are clear that uh, putting 100% of our load on the cloud will not give us the optimal cost from a tco perspective so there is a bunch of math we have done we have looked at area under the curve cost per uh, unit area for different instance types and we we have we have it down to a math right and 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 we know exactly at what point we will have to burst to the cloud and that is the model the hybrid cloud model is what we are working towards fascinating i totally love to see what happens behind the scenes of an event of this magnitude jay quick one the security landscape how are you reading it see i think uh, see security should should not be an afterthought right so sec- security should be something that is uh, constantly top of mind for an organization and uh, uh, that's where security by design uh, is is a, is a constant uh, uh, kind of refrain that uh, uh, has been followed by many of the hyperscale organizations right especially when you are the custodian of customer data uh you want to make sure that uh, you have the right tools uh, to be able to safeguard data safeguard against frauds ransomware malware attacks uh, etc and of course with a large number of people now working from home perhaps some of them are uh, not on even personal wifi devices right so they could be connecting for example i mean the, there are a lot of tech companies that have that have bachelors that uh, sit and work out of uh, let's say pg hostels right so they will be using shared infrastructure and and you don't know uh, what sort of infections may come uh, not through their own doing but uh, through probably others sharing that infrastructure right so uh, and and uh, we cannot actually foresee or protect against every one of this at source but if you have the right uh, design philosophy uh, like for example defense in depth which is basically a concept in security uh, information security where you have multiple levels of defenses that uh, uh, provide for example uh, instead of just putting one firewall out there you you may want to look at putting a firewall with uh, basically some port blocking and app blocking rules and traffic 
quick routing rules, but uh, also have IPS or IDS behind it, right? Which basically these are perimeters, defense systems that complement what a traditional firewall provides, right? And uh, so we use something called NIST CSF framework, uh, which is basically a cybersecurity framework uh, where we look at five different pillars, uh, right? So which is basically identify, prevent, detect, respond, and recover. So these are kind of the five pillars under which there are a lot of controls, uh, and and we are constantly evaluating our own security posture and what we should be doing to continue to evolve it. There is still a lot of work to be done, uh, not just by Flipkart, but but by a lot of other companies. And because it's a it's an escalating kind of a race, right? And so you're you're never you can never say that I'm done now. I'm I'm like fully secure. I don't need to do any work on this because attack modalities are evolving. There are very very sophisticated actors that are now getting into that, uh, right? Uh, not just some random 18 year old kid who bought some ransomware off of the dark web and is letting it loose through a phishing email, right? So that is no more the modality, right? They're extremely sophisticated and commercial operations that have come up, right? So you need to be able to constantly plug in uh, to the security landscape and uh, and uh, reevaluating your security posture, keep doing things like vulnerability assessment, penetration testing on your networks, and and uh, assume, for example, that there is always some attacker who is lurking in your network. So how do you do threat hunting? Uh, and when there is an indicator of compromise on the network, how do you actually uh, engage in repelling action on the on the uh, attack vector, right? So what is in the in the security world called as uh, basically uh, targeting the kill chain, right? So how do you target the kill chain and be able to repel the attacker, right? So Basically, these kind of things are are uh, becoming more and more front and center for every enterprise. I think uh, in, in I would say that uh, before COVID, it probably was uh, at the center stage of uh, large hyperscale consumer internet organizations like us uh, who are very aware of the threat to reputation, threat to customer data. But now every organization, CIO of uh, every company, uh, it may not be a mainstream tech company, it could be something else, right? So it could be in a, in uh, where tech is an enabler, not really the, the central driving force of a company, right? Uh, but even, even they are very acutely aware of the threats that are now being brought in with the new modes of working, right? Uh, so we are constantly educating our workforce. Uh, so we recently did a whole bunch of series uh, where we educated our workforce on uh, uh, modalities of phishing, how to actually detect phishing emails and, and so on and so forth. And we are also in the process of launching actually a certification course, certification process for our developers so that they can get trained on uh, security fundamentals uh, as it developing new software. So this is a constant process and, uh, and, and we have to be aware of social engineering attacks um, and of course a new norm of uh, personal devices having to connect to enterprise networks, shared shared network, Wi-Fi networks being used by employees employees uh, and so on and so forth and and be able to think through and refine your security posture as you keep uh, as you keep working on it uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a never ending journey it's a always on journey and uh, caos uh, and ctos have to be extremely vigilant and continue to follow the trends and be ahead of the curve jay before we wrap up a lot of your work as a product and tech officer is staying ahead of the curve what are some of the newer technologies that's on your radar uh, so on this one, I'm see, I'm not going to say anything very different from what uh, you would have, would have definitely heard, right? I think uh, the technologies that are truly changing how we look at uh, software systems and how we look at business problems are things like, for example, uh, AI, deep learning, etc., right? So we constantly deploy it for use cases uh, that are very, very different, right? So uh, so the most obvious use cases may be around, for example, uh, how do you do personalization for users, right? This is obviously a problem at scale, and if you have to 
move beyond the usual collaborative filtering mechanisms and do something more deeper more meaningful uh, then you do this right of course we use it for things like demand forecasting supply and network planning and all of that stuff uh, but there are also lots of other use cases people may not be aware of for example anomaly detection right so even when you if you want to do predictive monitoring uh, and failure mode detection uh, right in very very complex systems where there are like hundreds and hundreds of microservices that are deployed which are interacting in very complex ways with with each other how do you even detect and respond to failures that are happening right of course you try to build resilience into the system so that auto failover and other things we talked about earlier uh, are part of the design principles but uh, beyond that as well you need some tools right so uh, uh, ai ml etc are coming into play even in these kind of areas Yes, which traditionally people don't think about, right? So then, of course, on the consumer end, uh, uh, we we are constantly looking at uh, reimagining. Basically, social commerce is a, is a big trend. Uh, we we have done a lot of user research. We have launched a lot of products using vernacular tech, making the platform available in a complete end-to-end manner, right? Not just having the apps scaffolding and navigation elements be available in a particular language, but every content on the platform is going to be available in the language of your choice, right? So uh, and and rolling it out and scaling it across all the other languages in a cost. efficient way where we can continue to operate it efficiently right so vernacular tech voice tech is another big area right so i think voice uh, is going to be very very key for uh, taking e-commerce to the uh, the middle india and beyond right the tier 2 tier 3 cities which are now driving lot of the growth of uh, internet in india so it's no more metros that are actually the primary drivers of growth in india in terms of the the number of new devices number of new people coming onto the network right and lot of these users are very very used to the uh, the voice mode and uh, we recently released this uh, voice based digital assistant for grocery that is seeing some really really good success we have launched voice search uh, and we are slowly scaling it up uh, right so we have launched it for some verticals and we are scaling it up so these are some of the things that uh, uh, i think we can talk about so the, the other technologies uh, would also be uh, around uh, innovations and in how do you surface uh, catalog data to consumers right so can you use videos more uh, because that is a mode that uh, Uh, users are engaging with more and more rather than reading long textual descriptions right so we have invested in video engagement constructs like flipkart videos flipkart ideas etc uh, and so on and uh, we are also experimenting with using uh, augmented reality technology to be able to give 3d views to customers be able to do virtual uh, avatars or being able to uh, look at uh, categories like furniture etc uh, perceive the real size of the product in the setting of your home uh, will be very useful from a purchasing decision point of view right so we are experimenting with all this uh, technologies and uh, from a overall technology landscape these are things that i see uh, are are going to be something uh, that we continue to evolve of course on the back end on the erp supply chain systems areas like iot sensors automation uh, in your warehouses and and your sorting centers and all of that uh, are going to continue to play a role so we did uh, one of our big sorting centers we actually rolled out automated guided vehicles which are basically these robotic drones uh, that do sorting at scale uh, with precision and a throughput that uh, you just cannot achieve with uh, humans doing the job right so these are technologies that we continue to invest in as well and that's a wrap up with jay jay more power and strength to you as you keep pushing those boundaries and it's great to have you here on tech unbound thank you my pleasure thanks a lot And well, that's a wrap. We're always keen to hear what you are thinking, so tweet us a line on Twitter on bi India. That's a single word, bi India. That's the Twitter handle. Let me also quietly thank Business Insider's editorial teams for their support: Hedi Shah for product conceptualization, Ishan Dey for podcast research, and sound engineering by Gokul Abhishek. And Tech Unbound was produced and voiced by me, Ashwin Raghunath. Till the next episode, take care and stay safe.